Nearly 8.33, Lee Sung-min has our international news roundup. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. So in Iraq, anti-government protesters have taken to the streets after authorities lifted a two-day round-the-clock curfew. Nearly 100 people have been killed after four days of mass protests in Baghdad and other Iraqi cities. That's right. At least eight people have been killed and dozens wounded on Sunday as security forces opened fire at anti-government protesters in Baghdad. Uh, The protests restarted after the government lifted a curfew in the capital and other southern Iraq cities. Many of the protesters were college students and were angry over rising unemployment and poor public services, and they demanded an end to official corruption and a change of government. At least 93 people have been killed and nearly 4,000 injured in four days of clashes between protesters and security forces, according to Iraq's Human, uh, Human Rights Commission. The country's prime minister brought a 17-point plan after an emergency cabinet meeting on Saturday, but the cabinet's new plan may not be enough to appease protesters and the politicians who've sided with them. That's right. At an emergency cabinet meeting on Saturday night, the government agreed a 17-point plan to increase subsidized housing for the poor, stipends for the unemployed, and training programs and small loans initiatives for unemployed youth. Details of the plan were disseminated on social media, but there was a continued internet outage across most of the country. Opposition to the government among parliamentary blocs who have begun boycotting legislative meetings is already brewing adding pressure on Prime Minister Abdul m a y e n i s cabinet to step down. Uh, meanwhile, the unrest is the biggest political challenge for Prime Minister Abdul m a h i s government since it took power a year ago. The clashes have revived fears of a new spiral of violence that could suck in influential militia groups and be exploited by Islamic State. Counting has begun in Kosovo's snap election. Exit polls suggest the two opposition parties there have each secured about 30%. That's right. Kosovo's two opposition parties, Ventavendos and the Democratic Leave of Kosovo, were each set to get 30% of the vote in the country's parliamentary election on Sunday, according to exit polls. Turnout was about 44%, according to preliminary figures from the Central Election Commission. 1.9 million eligible voters chose 120 lawmakers. Key issues for voters were the country's deep-rooted corruption and a peace deal with Serbia that would pave the way for membership of the United Nations. The election was called after Prime Minister Ramush Haradinaj resigned in July when he was summoned to appear before a war crimes court. Meanwhile, if the Democratic League for Kosovo does emerge victorious, it could give Kosovo its first female prime minister. Well, polls have also closed in Tunisia, where nearly 7 million people were eligible to vote in the country's parliamentary election. A legislative race there expected to end with no clear winner. It's a common theme in global elections at the moment. That's right. Uh, This is the second such vote since the 2014 adoption of Tunisia's constitution, following the overthrow of Ben Ali three years earlier. Ben Ali, who ruled over for 24 years before the civilian uprising in 2011, forced him to flee, died last month in Saudi Arabia. While Tunisia is often referred to as the only success story to come out of the Arab Spring, the elections were held against a backdrop of spiraling food prices, inflation, and more than 15% of unemployment. Opinion polls have been banned, but results are likely to mirror last month's presidential election, which saw newcomers Kai Saeed and Nabil Karoui advance to a runoff as Tunisians turned their backs on the country's political elite. The Conservative 
party there, uh, Ennada, has uh, come first in Tunisia's parliamentary election, according to State TV, an exit poll shown by them. That's right. The poll by Sigma Council showed Rachid Ghanouchi's moderate Islamist party would secure 17.5% of Sunday's vote. It was followed by closely Qualptoons, which is a relatively new party founded by Jill Media Magul and Abil Karoui at 15.6%. Hours earlier, Karui, one of the two candidates to advance Tunisia's presidential runoff vote that will be held next week, claimed in a statement that his party had come first. Uh, meanwhile, in an election that came and went without much enthusiasm, voter turnout is expected to have been low. It was recorded at 23.49% at 2 p.m. local time, which is six hours after the opening of polls. Preliminary results will be announced on October 10th and official results on November 17th. The Assembly will then be given two months to choose a Prime Minister and form a new government. In Hurricane Lorenzo, the strongest storm ever to hit the northeast Atlantic, threatened Ireland and the UK last week, and the much-diminished remains of the hurricane hit southern Germany on Saturday. That's right. Just five days ago, Lorenzo was a Category 5 hurricane. Lorenzo was the first ever to be uh, designated this far east and north over the Atlantic. It was the strongest ever recorded in the central North Atlantic with winds blowing at 259 kilometers per hour. On Saturday, the remains of Hurricane Lorenzo has hit Zuckpitz Mountain, which is Germany's highest peak. On lower grounds and areas where most people live, it was merely a wet and windy day, thankfully. Last week, trees and electricity lines were brought down in Portugal and Indonesia, where Lorenzo was hit and damaging waves were measured at 17 meters. There is no history of such violent conditions over these islands in 125 years of record. Uh, The hurricane has now much diminished as it traveled, but forecasters are advising people who live in its probable path to carefully monitor its progress. And France has opened an anti-terror investigation into Thursday's knife attack in Paris. Um, Police headquarters where this happened uh, led to four people killed. Let's tell us, well, let's find out more about where we're at at the moment. Sure. Uh, Initially treated as a criminal case, the decision to hand the investigation over to anti-terror prosecutors was prompted by analysis of the dead man's mobile phone, according to French reports. The attacker, Michael Harpin, is a 45-year-old civilian computer expert who converted to Islam about 10 years ago and had bought a 33-centimeter ceramic knife in the morning before his killing spree. A French police chief said on Friday that the attacker, like everyone in the intelligence division, had received a high level of security screening. The attacker had worked for Paris police for uh, for since 2003, did not have a history of psychiatric problems at all. The suspect, who was shot dead in conversation with police, exchanged 33 text messages with his wife ahead of the attacks, all of which were a religious character, according to anti-terror prosecutor John Francois Rickard. Rickard said he had a radical vision of Islam. The investigation also revealed contact between the attacker and several people who are likely to belong to an Islamic Salafist movement, which is an ultra-conservative Islamic ideology. The investigation is still ongoing. Thank you very much. Sung Min, pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Alex.